Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Reno's in. Vegas is here. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield, Radio Row in Phoenix, Super Bowl 57. It gets a little quieter now, Willie. I will tell you this. It's been a long day here for the other radio shows. I had a thought earlier, and I hate to gross out Reno with this because we got Miles Simmons coming up in three minutes. Really good stuff as Miles is going to sit down with us. The bathroom here, there's an issue, Willie. Boy. Yeah. Um, I noticed early in the day about seven hours ago that someone went into – there's three stalls – Someone went into the Phoenix Convention Center men's bathroom and clogged up the handicap toilet. I know we don't use the term handicap anymore. It's clogged up. I hadn't been in for five hours. Water all over the floor. Conspiracy. I, mean, I got I mean, a conspiracy. I got a conspiracy. Okay, because it is all stuff with toilet paper. What it's a nightmare you, in there. What did you tell me earlier? What did you tell us I earlier? Who arrived in Phoenix at 9, hit the ground running, and, and, and you've had them on the run Ever uh, one of our producers. I'm not going to blame it on him. I am not done. The men's bathroom here at Lotus is out of order. See, do you, do you think he freaking like dropped a football bomb? Which, by the way, there was, I don't want to get gross. There was a time at Lotus Vegas where it appeared that someone defecated a football. Like that's how large the, the fecal matter was and clogged up the toilet. Do you? I mean, could can someone within three hours clog up two toilets in two different cities and overflow both of them? Powerful stuff. <laughs> Powerful stuff. It's really it's it's food for thought. These are important. These are important times. I'm we just have to saying. Solve this. Conspiracy theory. Both no. men, both men's bathrooms are, are shut down. The the Super Bowl people have a couple of issues. So the men's bathroom is a nightmare right here, uh, and they've also they're having real. Real struggles, Willie, with the Wi-Fi. People are flipping out. All right, Miles is in front of us. Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons. He joined us every Tuesday at this time. And, Miles, we were talking about the uh, Pro Bowl earlier. We love it. What is what is wrong with you, the bitter media guys? Because I love it, Willie loves it, and the fans love the Pro Bowl. Somebody tweeted me basically that the other day, that they enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl and enjoyed seeing it for what it was, and I had no interest in that. I did not watch it in part because I was traveling, in part because, like I said, I had no interest in it. But if the fans like it, then that's a success for the league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that we've, at least I have, been arguing vehemently against has been, you know, this idea of neutral site championship games. Now, I think that takes away from the experience for the fans. And I think it makes it more expensive for fans, and I think that it's not a good idea for fans. So that's... And it's also not a good idea for me. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like the idea. It's not a college bowl game. It shouldn't be that. But this idea of... A, media night, which, frankly, I, I also don't understand why fans would go to that. You know, you're in the crowd, and I think it's free to attend, but you're still spending money on concessions, beer, parking, things like that. And you hear people barely say stuff. I, I don't get it. But if you can't go to the game. Right, yeah. If that's too expensive for you, that this is the next best thing. And then, again, I go off of my experience last year at the Pro Bowl in Vegas. Uh, my girlfriend was dying to go, right? Yeah. The SO, significant other. And just to see her, like how fired up she was to 
take pictures of Justin Herbert. She's a Chargers fan. Cool. To take pictures of Justin Herbert from, you know, thousands of feet away. Yeah. Like, I don't understand it, because, but I have access to <laughs> stuff yes, like that. Like, exactly. I got to walk around, you know, outside of the top 10 players on the Chiefs. I, you know, I'm right around them. But for her, if she got, if she had that experience, you know, to be that close or just be in an uh, arena, the crowd last night was fired up early, it was. too. I mean, they were going crazy. Yes, yes, they were. I mean, both the Eagles fans and the Chiefs fans, those that were there, they seemed to love it. So, I, I guess, like you said, it's for them, it's not for us, but I don't need to go ever again. Because, like, literally, <laughs> see, I got to tell you, after that, I said to myself, man, I need some water, some ibuprofen, and a nice big glass of bourbon. Because, like, that's I, – I was mentally and physically exhausted from – battling through that. You know what? I actually put my fan hat on for a second. I geeked out a little bit because uh, I went to Rutgers. I'm, you know, I'm fired up about Rutgers football. Okay. I was like, oh, Michael Burton. Oh, look, there's I Isaiah Pacheco yeah. on a podium. And I talked to Pacheco last year at the Shrine Bowl, yeah. and no one there knew who the hell he was. Yes. And now he's got a podium, and he, he was actually really good because yeah. he held the, uh, the media audience for a good amount of time. So... Uh, the other big note of the week, I know you're very concerned about this. We probably did at least an hour on this yesterday. Mm. Um, Tom Brady in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> um, my uh, coworker, Shereen Williams, was very appalled by that whole thing. Why? She says, oh, she says, I can't get that image out of my head. I don't know why he would do something like that. Really? I don't want to see that. You didn't see anything. He had, a, he had his junk covered up. Exactly, with and his hand. I didn't, you know what's funny? I didn't get the same effect everyone else did um, because were they kind of nude looking underwear? Like, yeah, but I, was it an I AI image? Oh, really? I, I That's something that I saw on Twitter because I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but somebody that I follow who has a blue check, and I know everybody can get one, but it's actually a journalist, said that, and I can't remember who it was, otherwise I would say it. But he was like, oh, no, that Tom Brady photo doesn't appear to be real, folks. But I don't know if it's real or not. Uh, that's some hardcore digging. Yeah. He really looked at that or she looked at no that. I have no idea. But, you know, it could be real. It could not be. But he's got to sell his stuff now. He's yep. got things to hawk. Are you surprised, and, you know, you guys wrote about this up on Pro Football Talk, that he's not going to start with Fox until 2024? I think a gap year is probably good for him. It's not good for me. Well, it's not I good for to anybody else. I, you know, right? And, and then he pushes the whole roster of analysts down. I he want does. to see Tom Brady. Let's go. Yeah, You're making I know. a lot of money. I know. And, you know, he's presumably going to be – decent person to watch on something like that. What do you think? What do you think he's going to do? I don't know. Because you don't hear Tom Brady be all that candid about stuff very often. And I think some stuff he's been more candid about as he's been with the Bucks as his career has gone on. You know, like when he said, I'm 45 years old, man, I got a lot of stuff going on, and he didn't say stuff. So it's like, and he also had that game against the Rams, I think it was, where he goes, that was bleeping awesome. So there are definitely things where, We've, I think, seen a little more of what Tom Brady's personality actually is. But if he doesn't show that when he's on Fox, well, it's like, I don't, I, then we could be watching anybody and it doesn't matter. I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's very aware of what goes on in the media. But that said, he needs some time to get away from Belichick, and that's why he's opened up, right? Yes. Um, exactly. But he's, he's got a. Not that Romo criticizes players, but you got to have the ability to criticize players every once in a while. Yeah. Can't be everyone's friend. Um, but I think he has it in him. I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah. So I mean, the thing that I always remember about Tom Brady is that anytime he introduces himself to a person, he goes, hi, I'm Tom. And it's just like that personability where it's like, yeah, we know who you are, bro. You're Tom Bleepin' Brady. Everybody knows who you are. But that... I guess humility is a good word for it. That might serve him well as a broadcaster. Miles Simmons with us here on Cofield and Company. is Tuesday spot. We extended a little bit. He's out here on Radio Road doing all his work for Peacock and with Peter King and Mike Florio. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' odds to the Raiders went to minus 500 today. Really? Any, cl any clue why? 
Uh, no, I haven't seen anything that would indicate that. But then again, I've also been in here and not necessarily been on my phone all day like I usually am. So that's interesting. I mean, obviously, that became a bigger thing over the weekend where you have Devontae Adams talking about it. You've got people at that program, you know, yelling Raiders to Aaron Rodgers, and he's even talking about it. Um, obviously, the Raiders have to shift their focus now because whether or not we really believe it, it seems that Tom Brady was absolutely a part of their plan for 2023, and I understand that. Um, but I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers really is a great solution just because you, there's so much of the headache stuff that comes with having Aaron Rodgers on your team. And it doesn't make him any a bad quarterback or anything. But I don't know. Him trying to learn a new offense, him uh, maybe maybe not having the best offensive line, you know, they've really got some work to do to fix that thing. I don't know how much that's like a sustainable solution for a team with the Las Vegas Raiders that need that ostensibly is trying to build something sustainable. Yeah, I wonder what the balance is between building and also making Mark Davis happy. Because I don't know if Mark Davis is going to be real thrilled if it's Jimmy G as a bridge. I mean, I think he wants he wants a, a big baller. That's he he made the decision to move on from Derek Carr. Exactly. I, mean, I think part of it was McDaniel's, but I think he wants someone as good or a bigger name to replace him. Well, ever since the, you know I've been coming on with you since 2019, the discussion has been: Are the Raiders going to get rid of Derek Carr this year? Are the Raiders going to get rid of Derek Carr this year? Are the Raiders going to get Derek Carr? I mean, we've known this that this is a thing that they've either been trying to do or trying to figure out. Well, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, and that's why it was kind of like last year when they gave him the contract, and you're saying, well. Okay, I guess they feel he is part of the solution, right? But then they had that out in the contract that we know is either going to result in them somehow finding a trade partner, which I don't know that how they could do that at this point, or they're going to cut him. So it's just like they, they've wanted to move on from Derek Carr for a while. I think Ziegler is trying to do the due diligence of saying, yeah, we tried, we tried. But at the end of the day, if you're Derek Carr, why would you want your new team to give up an asset for you when you can just presumably sign with them as a free agent before anybody else hits the quarterback market? Which, by the way, should, should also be, uh, and you know, Sean Payton uh, got into this a little bit, you know, having to talk to the Saints like, hey, you, you can't fleece the next team I'm going to. Right. You know, and I would think Rodgers could go to the Packers, I think, and go, you, you know, I'm not going anywhere if you're going to annihilate them in a trade. So I think there's yeah. something to, to work on here. I mentioned Sean Payton. Loved what happened yesterday where he was referencing uh, Team Russ. Mm -hmm. Like, Team Russ ain't going to be allowed to be around anymore. That's massive if you're going to bounce back that organization, but more importantly, get Russell Wilson back on track. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't have Russell Wilson, especially after the kind of season that they went through last year, running things the way that he presumably wanted to run things. And that's the funny thing about the Seahawks, too, where everybody was like, oh, you got to let Russ cook, let Russ cook. They started letting him cook in 2020, and then he burned the meal, right? So then they had to pull back everything and make it more about the run game. And that's how they ended up winning that division in the first place. And so when people start talking about how, oh, my gosh, it's such a surprise to see what Russell Wilson did in 22, it's kind of like, well, did you watch the last two years? And I know that he had the injury in 2021, but things were not on the rise with him at that point. Things were steadily declining. So... Either Sean Payton is going to figure out how exactly to fix Russell Wilson, or they're going to determine, nah, this guy can't be fixed, and they ship him out next offseason, and they get somebody else who can actually do things. On Wilson in Seattle, I still find it amazing that all of these angles really did not emerge 
when he was in Seattle. Did you hear about all the stuff about the, Team Russ and that he was spoiled? And personal coaches, no. And I, I think part of that is the way that uh, Carol and John Schneider run things. Like they're they're not necessarily going to talk that badly about Russell Wilson or leak all that. I kind give of him stuff. credit, Miles. Yeah. Because they got beat up. I beat him up. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe they're choosing, you know, Carol at seventy one years old over Russell Wilson. And then we right. find like we didn't know the whole story. Yes. And even the media in Seattle, I don't know if they didn't know about it, but it seemed like they kept it quiet or maybe you know what, maybe it's just Pacific time zone, and then they're in the middle some of nowhere of for the rest of the country, mm -hmm. and we we just don't get the information. It, it kind of reminds me in some ways, and I don't mean this to be an insult to Russ Wilson, so I'll put that as a caveat, but of Antonio Brown with the Steelers, you know, we didn't really know just how bad things were there because of how good that organization is and how Mike Tomlin can cover things up because he's that damn good of a coach. And so when Antonio Brown starts going elsewhere and then he starts losing his mind and he does the things that he does, it's like, whoa, what happened here? And you maybe knew some things a little bit of it, especially with the team MVP kind of talk that came out with Le'Veon Bell and, and Antonio Brown. But it was like once he left that place, it's like, oh, my gosh. And you sort of see the same things kind of happen. And again, Russell Wilson is not the same as Antonio Brown. I don't mean to like make <laughs> Russell Wilson sound that much worse, but right. it's the same sort of deal. A good organization can cover up a lot of warts. What do you have the rest of the week going on with Peacock? Uh, well, we just recorded uh, the Peter King podcast, so you can check that out on Peacock and also on uh, the NFL on NBC YouTube page. Also did some segments with PFT Live from Monday, so you can check those things out as well. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Rolling on, Phoenix. Willie Ramirez back in Las Vegas. All our coverage on Radio Row brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and the Rhino, Spearmint Rhino. Why not, right? Thanks to the Rhino. Thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas. We are a Subaru family, Willie, so big fan of Subaru. All right, Willie, we, uh, we got Miles Simmons on a little earlier in the hour, but as we were talking to him, actually about four minutes before we came on, I didn't even see this during our conversation we got some breaking news on Derek Carr. So that's coming up here in less than seven minutes. So stick around. Breaking news on Derek Carr. But now it's time to get to the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Oh, boy, Willie. BGK, little break, right? Collect themselves. Beat the hell right now. Depressing news of Mark Stone is out for a while. By the way, any update on Stone? The the, the Knights are not big on giving a, a timeline you know, about when he's going to come back, have they? No, and I, I I trust Cassidy in that, you know, he doesn't he can't give a legitimate answer. I, when he says when he told us yesterday post practice that he 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 really didn't, but he also didn't rule him out for the rest of the season. So, it just it's where it's at. It's hard. What 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 he did add Last year, when Mark Stone was going through his injury and before surgery, after surgery, a lot of the questions for the media was about his lack of presence. You know, he, he's such a great leader. So having him around really mattered. And it's the one thing that Bruce Cassie said he and um, the two of them sat down and discussed and talked about was still making sure that he is present and around the guys and in the locker room and still providing that leadership inside the locker room, even though he can't be on the ice. 
number three. We'll get to the big Derek Carr news here in less than five. Arizona, Willie, first state with sports gambling on the ground. Overall, we're expecting massive numbers nationwide and worldwide. I'll get to what Zona is expecting, but talk about estimations of what? $16 billion wagered on this game? Across the board. Estimated one in five American adults will make some sort of bet, which comes out to around $16 billion, twice as much as last year. And this is according to an industry trade group. Um, they're, they're saying that gambling, gambling spread to two-thirds of the United States will have betters running to their apps, to the windows, whatever it may be. Uh, vast change from just, what, three, four, five years ago, Steve? Yep. Um, and it's, you know, it, and that ranges from, you know, well, I'm just going to put $20 on a parlay to the prop bets that are most popular among the squares. Um now, one, one, a research firm, this research firm estimates 10 to 15% of the total will be wagered live after the game begins. You're a big live in-game better. Another 15 to 20% would come in the form of same-game parlays or a combination of bets involving the same game, such as betting the winner, the total points scored, how many passing yards Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts will accumulate. So side, total, props, um, $16 billion, more than double wow. from last year. You know, Arizona on the ground here in the state was only about $200 million behind Nevada back in November. Three states were ahead of Nevada, Illinois, New Jersey, and New York. I wonder how big the handle can be in Zona with the Super Bowl here. Like I said, six hundred eighteen million total wagered in November. Could they pump up a eight hundred million dollar month or a billion dollar month in Arizona? Um, it's tough to say. I, you know, it that's a hard one to say because Willie, you could have a lot of people. Well, I mean, yeah, this is a good question. You could have a lot of people who really haven't had a chance to bet anywhere. Does that mean they're going to lay down big bets? And then you also throw in, if if you have a ton of Eagles fans, Willie, they're already trained to sports bet. They got sports betting in Pennsylvania. I'm not saying people in Kansas and Missouri don't bet, but you know they can't legally yet. So I wonder what this mix is going to bring and if they can actually surpass a billion dollars in a relatively new state for sports gambling. Well, and the big tell would be, you know, I would the first thing I would think of in terms of Arizona versus Nevada is what are they charging for hotel rooms there? Because if you can bet in Arizona just the same you can bet here, why not just go to where the Super Bowl's at? People uh, people have been, if you're not going to go to the Super Bowl, where are you going? You're going to Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. Hang out in the sports books. But if you can go where the parties are at, run into NFL players, run into celebrities because they're out and about, the hotel prices are cheaper than you know, you're going to get a lot more people down there. That being said, I just don't know. This is the tourist capital. So people plan their trips around all year They to, to come here. So 
I don't know if Arizona can eclipse Nevada from a gambling standpoint. Number two. Willie, do you have any clue? You're more on the cutting edge of the stuff what a four-day darkness cleanse is because that's what Aaron Rodgers just told uh, Aaron Rodgers told Pat McAfee earlier in the day that uh, he's going to disappear for four days. I, I, I don't. I, the only or is he thing, not disappearing, or just maybe he's just sitting in the dark? Well, it's in in his words, it's just sitting in isolation, meditation, dealing with your thoughts. It stimulates DMT, so there can be hallucinations in there. But it's just kind of sitting in silence, which most of us never do. We rarely even turn our phone off or put the blinds down to sleep in darkness. I'm really looking forward to it. So it just sounds like he's disappearing from existence. No phone. No, I mean. Outside of walking to a bathroom, if he's just going to sit in darkness for four days, so be it. Um, sounds like, to me, I don't know, I could be dead wrong, but sounds to me like a lot of weed and mushrooms for Aaron Rodgers. Does this stuff annoy you? Like, I'll, I'll read you no. his other comment. He said, uh, well, good answer. He said, uh, that's why it's going to be important to get through this week, take the isolation retreat, some of the stuff you mentioned, just be able to contemplate all the things my future uh, and then be able to make a decision that I think is best for me moving forward and in the highest interest of my happiness and then move forward. Like, I think that for some reason that thought process and this action annoys people. No, because to each its own. I mean, we all go through different things, right? I mean, mental health, disappointment. Um, you and I both know about one, two, three, four, three months ago, four months ago, I did a social media cleanse, but I also just disappeared. Right? I just kind of shut down for, I don't know, two, three, four days. Whatever it was, but I mean, I didn't do no dark cleanse. But so everybody does some sort. At some point, you have to, you have to get away. This is just his version of a vacation. He just got done with the football season. He's, he's got to decide where he's going to play next. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on him based off wherever he goes. So if that's his way of getting away, hey, more power to him. I I don't have a problem with it. People that are annoyed by it are annoying. <laughs> Number one, mind your own. Mind your own. All right, we got breaking news with Derek Carr. Nothing's done yet, but Willie, we had heard rumors and maybe some misinformation or misunderstanding when it came to Derek Carr working with the Raiders to get something done, at least an agreement to get something done before February 15th. Are the Saints one of the teams that is stepping up? Maybe being a little more aggressive. I guess the Raiders have said yes to the Saints. It looks like it. Uh, Derek Carr, according to Ian Rapport, sources the Saints invited quarterback Derek Carr for a visit, and the Raiders have granted permission for that to happen. The plan is for a visit tomorrow. Carr, who has a no-trade clause, is doing due diligence, and no trade is imminent. So... Now, there was a, somebody quoted that tweet. Mike Garofalo said Derek Carr still does not have permission to talk trade with any team he would like to, but this is a step in the right direction. Hmm. So um, one week away from the $40.4 million um, trigger for the Raiders. So I like the move. It's, it's, it's a team that I have had at the top of my list for Derek Carr's. Is that why you spot. like the move, though, because your prediction could come true, or do you really like the move? No, I think it's a good spot for him. I've right. been saying that because you and I talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. You was like, 
we brought it up for some reason. I, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about Derek Carr, but I did, and you said don't because I said I think it's a good spot for him where he can come in and sort of play in an in, in an established core. I like the NFC South, and you said don't forget they haven't disciplined Alvin Kamara, so it doesn't mean he's got an established running back. That was your one counterpoint. Yeah. So I know that uh, also I think Adam Hill may have mentioned the Saints as well. Um, there's been a lot of people that have said the NFC South as a whole would be a good landing spot for him. I mean, a lot of people are talking about the Buccaneers, ironically, when they were saying Brady to here. But the Saints would be a great spot for him. And one of the things, that was one of the first places I had mentioned when everyone was talking about the Jets or Washington because it's in a dome. It's not cold inside of a dome. I don't think Dennis Allen's a really good head coach, so that would be something for Carr to take into account. I do believe the Saints are a pretty good organization, even without Sean Payton. There is the Kamara part of it, but we've also talked about the market that he's going to land in and what's right for him, and New Orleans would be a Derek Carr-friendly market. The media wouldn't be incredibly hyped and – I think Derek does fancy himself to kind of be a Southerner, even though he's from Central oh, yeah. California. Yeah. So he'd blend in well there. And for folks who don't know, I mean, the Saints fan base is one of the most loyal and passionate in all of the country. And I'll repeat something we've said on the show multiple times, too. Good division to go to, right? You're not having to fight through, you know, like you were saying, and Adam said it, you don't have to fight through the freaking impossibilities of the AFC West. Nevada Sports Talk Hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Hanging at Radio Row in Arizona, it's Cofield and Company. Massive parties we were just talking about in Phoenix, but especially in Vegas. Vegas is the place to go over any Super Bowl city, and we got the Super Bowl coming to Sin City next year. Willie, you are leading into one of the great viewing parties and sites in all of Vegas, and that is the Superbook. So you're doing a two-hour show on Sunday morning. What do you got cooking? Oh, man. It, just imagine, um, you know, our show with some great guests, but also reading in, in reading an, an article on Super Bowl Sunday in which you have a ton of celebrity or pro-athlete special picks. And I have sound bites from... So many people. Uh, Golden Knights. I have sound bites from the Raiders. I have sound bites from Soprano star, former Riviera host, Steve Sharippa. Ryan Reeves has checked in. I can run down the list. Steve Sharippa, Ryan Reeves, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Pat Sertain from the Broncos, Darren Waller, Chandler Stevenson, Jonathan Marchesaw, Braden McNabb, Paul Cotter, Zach Whitecloud, Alec Martinez, and Jack Eichel have all turned in picks verbally. They're going to be part of the show. We're going to run those. Um, Miles Simmons, our good friend from the show, who we just heard from, he's going to join me on Sunday. We're going to have some betting talk. Todd Dewey's going to come aboard. Uh, Taylor Mathis from Westgate, Superbook Sports. And, of course, the big boss, John Murray. And our big special guest, Vegas Vipers coach, former Raider, Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ, Rod Woodson. It is a star-studded, power-packed show. As your mentee, you would be proud. Yes. No, 
I don't know about that part, the mentee and proud, but no, I think it's the best <laughs> It's the best Superbook Westgate show we've ever done. It's two hours, and Willie's got it loaded. And you know, you, you've spoken to a lot of these people during the week, and one of them was Taylor Mathis, who, like you said, uh, reps Superbook and has a great Twitter account, really good web presence. And uh, I know she's got some prop plays. You're going to hear the rest of this interview on Sunday, but here she is just talking about her preferred side in Super Bowl 57. I'm going to go with the Chiefs outright to win it. I think it's a little laughable here that we're looking at Patrick Mahomes. I think that will be one of the best quarterbacks of all time in the NFL. And he's an underdog going into this game. Yes, the Chiefs opened his favorites, but the line quickly moved and flipped because the public was so heavy on the Eagles. I'm going with the Chiefs to win outright in this Super Bowl matchup. Square play? Because I'm on it. What do you think? And I uh, keep hearing the sharps are all over the Eagles. I'm square. Taylor square. Been struggling. I've been struggling since because we we talked the, right out of the conference championships. You remember, and I told you that I, the second the games were over, I ran the uh, my spreadsheet program, and it came out Philly by two, and the total forty eight point nine nine, and then. Within hours, it was Philly 2 and 49 and a half. Now it's 50, 51, whatever. Um, I like the under more than anything. And I'm starting to really, really lean on the Eagles' first half. But I think that the Chiefs are going to make a game of it in the second half. I think the two best bets might be the under in the game and the Eagles in the first half. Oh, boy. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm going to go down this path. I'm going to yell that again like I did yesterday. What do you anticipate your total bets? How many bets do you get down? Yesterday, JVT accused me of shaming him for saying he was only going to have like 8 or 10 or 12 total bets. It's about what I'll have. It's about right. I'll have the side, This in this case probably the half. I'll have the side a total. I always, I mean, I'm not a parlay guy ever during the year, but for just because it's a Super Bowl, I'll have the side and total parlayed. And then I will... Um, and I'll have some props, but it won't be more than 10 or 12, but I will have a few hundred in action. My goal is to clean out every account I have. boy. Yes. Sunday morning, my Vegas account, empty. My two Arizona accounts, by the time I leave, empty. Use the SOs also. Well, yeah. We'll get advice on this. Doesn't seem like a smart move on my part from Sam Paniotovich, our national sports gambling expert. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Sam Paniotovich is with us. I think there's going to be some chop busting here. We'll get his advice on props. What a week. What a week. Mass just opened up last week for sports gambling. First Super Bowl ever on the ground in the state and city where you can bet on the game here in Phoenix and Arizona. Sammy, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. I need to know right away, who does yep. Carrot Top like in the game? So, tell me if I'm a moron on this. I don't really ask most of the guests early in the week who they're picking. It's probably a bad move. It probably should be the question that absolutely gets asked, right? I figured you would have asked all your guests this week, nah. tallied them up, and whichever team had the most votes, you'd bet the other side. Don't you know better by now? I know, but I already bet the game. You're right. I guess I could bail on it if you know if everyone loved the uh, the Chiefs, but I bet the Chiefs right out of the gates last week. Well, if Carrot Top is anything like Joe Public, from what I can gather, most sports books in Las Vegas they're getting hit with Public 
on Philadelphia. I mean, let's also remember that when this line opened in Vegas, Circa hung Kansas City minus two and a half. Westgate hung Kansas City two. So the sharp money early came in on Philly plus the points. But then when it got to pick, there was another push to Philly minus one, and then the public sort of piled on to one and a half and two. And as of last Thursday, from last Thursday to today, sharps on KC, public continuing to bet Philly. So really, Steve, the public is betting, you know, the side that has already moved four points, and the wise guys have taken plus on both sides. That's where I'm at. That's what I can gather at yeah, least. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, of course they did. So there's no clear cut what the sharps are doing. It's all you know. They're just they're just using the they're it's like they're using to this year's game like a stock market, and they're playing the numbers. They're playing options. They're they're not even on in either side. Period. I can tell you uh, that two of the guys that that I know that are extremely good at Super Bowl betting, they didn't even bet a side. They hit two props, and you're going to laugh at the props, but. These are guys that bet, you know, thousands of dollars. I think they were at the Superbook, and they were able to bet, you know, 2000 to pop and then back to the line. First guy bet over two and a half players to throw a pass at plus 150. And the second guy's first bet was under seven and a half total punts in the game. Sam Penny out of it with us. Radio Row, Phoenix. It's all brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and also Spearman Rhino. Spearman Rhino, you're presented by Spearman Rhino today. Yeah, Sammy, right? I know. I'm very, I'm very fired up. I'm very fired up. Um, all right, before we get back into the props heavily, um, I wanted to ask you about off-season specials. Which, by the way, uh, DraftKings is out here with a big setup, and that's one of the uh, books I signed up for in Arizona last year. And it's a little hard to find right now because there's so many NFL bets up there. But off-season specials, one, Derek Carr odds are not up anymore. Um, did you see the news about 45 minutes ago that the Raiders have given permission to the Saints to chat with Mr. Carr and Camp Carr? I did not see that, yep. and I'm not really surprised. So I, I'm guessing that was hit a couple times on the Raiders' side because this is what happens, right? That comes out, and then whatever book is slow to react, and they take a, a limit bet on Raiders' Raiders or whatever team it is, and Saints' uh, Saints in this case with Derek Carr, and and then it comes off the board. Yeah, the only ones I have up right now at DraftKings are DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Rodgers. That's it. No car. The odds a couple of days ago, Sam, I'm looking at uh, at least one book, uh, six teams, they were all squeezed in between plus 350 and plus 650. The Saints were actually dead last at plus 650. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But uh, those odds are down right now. Aaron Rodgers, Sam, uh, overnight or maybe late last night, shot to a minus 390 favorite to go to the Raiders as his top landing spot. Minus 390, you can now get the Packers at 3-1. to one. I think there's a chance he stays in Green Bay just because mm-hmm. they can't move him. I mean, if you think about when this market opened, I believe the Packers were plus a quarter to retain him. And the way the language of the bet reads is, for which NFL team will Rodgers take his next regular season snap? Not preseason, week one. Where does he take the next snap? The Packers were plus 125. Now they're three to one. The Raiders, I mean, you, you can't lay 390 right now, right? No. I think we all understand that. But here's the other thing. You know, this stuff moves on sometimes air. Yep. You know, Rodgers was, was at Pebble Beach, right? And he said, I'm not going to San Fran. So what does DraftKings do? They move San Francisco to 20 to one. He could still go there. 
I don't know that I would bet it. And with that guy, with Aaron Rodgers, do you believe anything that comes out of his mouth? No. So him saying he's not going to San Fran makes me want to think that he's actually intrigued by San Francisco. And how could you not be? He had to be watching that game in the NFC Championship when they had nobody that could throw a forward pass. And he had to think to himself, because he's an ego guy, he loves his ego, he thinks he's the best, he had to plop himself into that lineup and think, if I was there, we're going to the Super Bowl. Guys like that think like that. And I'll tell you what, Niners were like five or six to one to get Rodgers a week ago. Now because he murmurs something on the golf course, he's 20 to one? That doesn't add up. So with that, aside from odds of where players are landing, is San Francisco probably the only team that's maybe in limbo when in, in turn, like if somebody wants to bet a future for next year, like I would think that there's a lot of people just chomping at the bit to put money on San Francisco. They're thinking Brock Purdy didn't go out. If he doesn't go out, he, they're going to the Super Bowl. Um, which team is sort of in limbo that you're looking at most for these offseason moves, these quarterbacks for their landing spots before pouncing on a future? Well, I think the next domino to fall, Willie, it's a good question, and I want to talk about the two sustained success teams at the top, but the team that is clearly going to make a move at quarterback is New York, and I'm not talking Giants, I'm talking Jets. Mm -hmm. You can find the Jets to win the Super Bowl as low as 20-1 to in this country right now, and it's not because they have a really good defense, it's not because they have young receivers, it's because they are going to get somebody. They are literally a quarterback away (laughs) in New York right now. I love that. They're going to get are. somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, at least have well, to. let me put it this way. Yeah. The the books think they're going to get somebody. I mean, you're not dealing the Jets at 25, 20 to 1, 18 to 1 or whatever if if they're going to roll into the season with Mike White or Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson. So that's the team that is sort of on a halfway number right now. If they don't get anybody, hell, you could raise them to 70 to 1. They're not winning the Super Bowl. But if they get Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, whoever, that 25 to 1 all of a sudden becomes 12 to 1 because they cut it in half after the move actually happened. So that's the next team to fall domino wise with a quarterback. But let's also pay attention to this. The books have absolutely no reason to give away Kansas City and San Francisco. They're going to make them as low as possible because guess what? The Chiefs have been to four straight AFC championship games, and the Niners have been in three of the last four years. You don't need to make them higher. There, there's no need to make Kansas City 8-1 to one to win the Super Bowl because you're going to write it down. There's no need to, to make San Francisco 10-1. to one. You're going to write it down. And even with all the uncertainty in San Francisco, it doesn't matter. You can't make them higher than they should be because those two organizations, they win in the regular season, they have high seeds, and they know how to win playoff games. I mean, look up again. Championship Sunday, who's in there? Kansas City, San Francisco. It's like every year with those two teams. Sam Pinionovich. Betting chat, Nesson, Fox Sports. So, Sammy, keep it right there with the Jets. Nathaniel Hackett, he's in as the OC. He's been there at Green Bay. Why not move Rodgers to New York? It's a possibility for sure, although I think we realize that Nathaniel Hackett doesn't exactly have the biggest brains in the room. I mean, he had so many decisions this year that that cost the Broncos, um, you know, not only big plays and, and big opportunities, but cost them wins. And I love to do this every year. I look at the uh, the football reference number. They give you what the team finished, and then they give you like where they should have finished. Yeah. And the Jets were seven and ten, but their expected wins eight point eight. So, I mean, really, he sort of held them back, if anything. 
Um, or no, I'm talking. That's the Jets. I'm talking about the Broncos. The Broncos. Um, sorry, I got tied up there because you asked me Jets. The Broncos' win loss record was five and twelve, and their expected win loss was six point six. So he held them back as well. Salah held the Jets back, but I, I don't know. I don't think Rodgers really cares about Nathaniel Hackett that much. It is what it is. He needs protection up front, and he needs playmakers on the outside. And and the Jets certainly have that more than they had in Green Bay. I mean, he was throwing to rookie receivers two, three of them at a time last year at Lambeau, and that's no good. Go to Ness and Bets up on Twitter. Great videos, uh, great stories as well. They've got a, a cheat sheet up there at Nesson.com. Not written by Sam, but part of the uh, the Nesson dealio on sports gambling. I know you guys also did a video on futures in the NBA, and I'm sure that reflected the Kyrie move. Uh, what do you think about the Kyrie move, and what do we do with Dallas? I don't know that you can really bet them – a lot of ways. I mean, I saw them, you know, to win the championship went from 30 to one to 14 to one. And I'm thinking, well, who's playing defense on that team? They're going to score. And I'll tell you what, they're going to have to win these playoff games like 130 to 127 because they're going to be up and down the court. Uh, Those two guards are very good, Kyrie and Luca, but I worry about them not getting back. And I worry about them not having enough basketballs to go around, but still they did go to the Western conference final last year, right? And that's without Kyrie. So maybe they can make the final again out West, at which point you put 7-1 and one in your back pocket right now. You could hedge off that. You could either bet the other team in the series or to win the championship and, and roll that forward. I mean, you have options. But, I, Steve, I can't bet the Dallas Mavericks at 14-1 to one to win the title when they were, you know, 30-1 to one or 35-40-1 to one a week ago. I just can't because I'm getting the worst of the number. But the West is in, intriguing because they don't have to win the West to win that bet. They get to the final two out west, and you could hedge off that. So maybe that's what I would do. So instead of asking uh, everyone what their Super Bowl pick is, my most common question with a lot of the guests is how many bets you're going to put in, right? Total bets. And everyone on the show, aside from me, has said hey, 8, 10, 12 totals, probably the, the number. What do you do uh, over the next couple of days and then on the morning of the game? How many bets do you put in? I've got six in right now. All right. I think I'll add Chiefs money line tomorrow. And then the other thing that I want to wait until I get to Vegas because I can get down more money with the rise of the game total. Remember, this thing opened like 49, 49 and a half uh, early last week, like actually Sunday after Championship Sunday. Now we're at 51. The good thing about that move on the total is that it brings up the first half total. Most of the shops right now in Nevada are offering 24 and a half. Now the under is juiced to minus 120, but. I would argue that half point is worth 40 or 50 cents because guess what? Now 17 to 7, I'm a winner. 14 to 10, I'm a winner. 24 to nothing, I'm a winner. 21 to 3, I'm a winner. That hook off the 24 to me is so valuable. And because the game total went up, the first half total goes up. So I'm going to wait until I land in Vegas on Thursday. I know you're not going to be there to pick me up at the airport because you're always gone when I come in. But I will bet under 24 and a half in the first half at minus 120. I think that's a really good bet, given that hook. Sam, you write for uh, FS1, and I only have like 45 seconds left, but I know you did something with Cornegay looking back. Yeah, I mean, you could check it out, foxsports.com. He was basically talking about how they revolutionized the prop game. My words, not his. And the prop that changed it all, Saturday, February 1990, they did a prop, who will score more points Michael Jordan for the 49ers. That's right. And it changed everything. Everybody bet this prop. Guess what? Jordan scored 39, but the Niners beat the Broncos 55 to 10. 
Amazing. So you probably came into that game like, oh, 39's good. <laughs> good. But it's not 55. And that was at the Imperial Palace. Oh, it's Sir. IP. Very oh, nice. Yeah. I, I love the, the IP. Day. Man, that was one of my favorite places when I first got to Las Vegas. All right, Sam, I will not see you in Vegas, but uh, say hi to the uh, Crippler and or the rest of our friends as you enjoy some food and libations and get your bets down. I will. I will see you soon. And uh, first half under, 24 and a half. I think it's good, man. Do it. There he is. The play from Sammy. Reno goes bye-bye, but guys, you can listen to the entire show at lvsportsnetwork.com and the archives of the show. Same site, lvsportsnetwork.com.